Last week we talked about the foundation of our church. Um, if you guys remember in the beginning of this whole adventure for us, uh, lots of people asked for a vision and what our vision was for the church. And my, my, my lack of, of real motivational vision was we're just going to preach the gospel and have worship and do outreaches. <laughs> I don't know what other vision to do. Um, and I, I didn't want to just make something up, and so that was it. And that hasn't really changed. Um, but in, in looking at this new year and everything that's going on, um, I'm really starting to dig into Scripture and seeing exactly what the, the local church body is supposed to be. And we talked about last week, I'm going to review real quick, um, of, of how the church is the same as we are. We're, the, the church is an extension of who we are. So the church, just like we uh, submit to the Lord and everything that we do, the church submits to the kingdom. So the church is, it doesn't make the church not important. It just puts us in a position that's much greater than this. And it's, it's been my big soapbox about um, denominational divides that shouldn't be divides. We should be strengthening each other instead of breaking each other down and dividing up. Um, in the same way, our church is important, but our church isn't the end of all. Does that make sense? There's a, there's a kingdom greater than just our church. Having said that, <laughs> through, through this last year, I've discovered I only pastor this church. <laughs> I mean, the, the truth of the matter is I can't, I can't make decisions for everybody mobile, and as much as I want to give into the kingdom and not be all about us, we still have a, a bit of responsibility in and of ourselves to function as a church body, not just in this building, but you guys, the church. Um, and so what we discovered last week, if you guys remember, we talked about the foundation. Do you remember what the foundation is? It's pretty easy. It's like the answer to every church question. Jesus. Jesus. Right. The foundation is Jesus, and there is no other foundation that we can put above or on top of that, that's it. There is no other foundation. So anything else that we build the church on will fail. That's what we talked about last week. It'll fall apart. It, it won't work. It will be burned up. It'll be burned away, and all that will be left is the real foundation, which is Jesus. So everything we do in here is going to be foundational on Jesus. Everything that we do is going to be Christ-centered here. Um, and I make these declarations, like I said, because this is, this is our church. This is, this is who we're going to be. Um, and so our foundation is going to be Christ and Christ alone. So everything else is going to be built upon that. Pretty, pretty cut and dry there. Um, the verse I used for that, or I saw one of the ones that I saw for that, was Psalm 127.1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder, bu- the builder labors in vain. Um, we also talked about Petra and Petros, the difference in, in Peter. When, when Jesus was reinstating Peter and he said, on this rock I'll build my church, he was using two different words there. He called Peter, uh, let me get, don't get these confused, uh, he called Peter Petros, which is the human masculine form, which is a movable rock. He called Peter uh, Petros. Petra is what he says he's going to build his, his church on, and Petra is a large rock equivalent to like a mountain. It's an unmovable rock. It's a stone that doesn't move. And, it, and he wasn't building his church on Peter. He was building his church on the revelation of who Jesus was, and that's Peter's reinstatement. He was confessing who Jesus was. So that revelation of who Jesus was is what the church is built on. It goes back to the foundation of being, uh, being on Jesus. Um, Lots of people are beating up the church these days. It seems to be pretty popular in our culture to just beat up the church. Most of us have been hurt at some point in the church, um, but we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, all churches are bad, because they're not. We need to be building up the church, not just tearing it down. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else because I've seen a lot of the flaws in the church as most of you have as well. But here's the thing. We can't stop there. If we see flaws in it, that's okay. If we see those gaps, but what are we going to do to fix them? What are we going to do to build up the church? And that's where I want to go. I don't want to just talk about all the issues that we've had in the past. Let's look to the future. What, what are we going to do here in our church? How are we going to move forward and, and, and uh, spread the kingdom? So these are things I didn't get to because I chased the whole uh, reward thing last week. 
But I mean, it was really, I, I thought it was good. I hope y'all thought it was good. The, I'd never seen that in Scripture before, how our reward is relationship. And I'd always, you know, we always put rewards way off, but our reward is relationship with the Father, and our reward is relationship with people. And so I kind of chased that rabbit, but it, I feel like it was Holy Spirit rabbit <laughs> that I chased. Um, so I didn't get to some of these points. So I'm going to get to these points real quick, and then I'll move on to what I want to talk about today. But our church life um, should, re- should reflect our individual life, love, relationship, humility. Um, we don't want church to be uh, a corporate gathering for every individual to do what they want. Um, individual gifting is important, but we must all submit to the Lord for one purpose. So we all have individual gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to acknowledge that and build each other up in it, but we're all doing this. We're all going towards one goal, and so we're in unity in that. Um, and we don't build this church. Same thing. We're building on Christ, nothing else. We can't build this church on people's preferences, style of music, preaching, coffee, dress codes. We can't. We're not going to build this church on those things. Now, some of those things may happen. I like coffee. We're going to have coffee. It's not a big deal. You know, some of those things are going to happen, but that's not the church. That's not what we're building our church on. We're not building our church on certain styles or certain uh, seating arrangements or lights or fog machine. Nothing. We're not building it on those things. We're building them on Christ alone. And the, the thing about that is we have to all be on the same page with that. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're going to talk about that because it could really mess us up. Um, people alone cannot lead the church. Christ has to be the head, the chief cornerstone. Um, and this is, if, if we could call this this year's kind of renewed vision from last year's vision, it would be plant water and enjoy the reward. Um, plant basically meaning we're going to spread the gospel, water, which is discipleship, and enjoy the reward, which is relationship. We have a relationship with people, and we have a relationship with the Lord. It's real simple. It's not a complicated deal. Um, and I get that from 1 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, after all, uh, who is Apollos? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each task. I planted... There's the planting. I planted the seed. Apollo's watered. There's watering. But God has made it grow. So God's the one that brings the increase. Another thing that we're not going to do is we're not going to grow our church. I know that sounds bad. We're not going to grow our church. We're going to plant. We're going to water. And God's going to bring the increase. Because that's our jobs. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm telling you, if, if it's up to me or up to you to grow this church, we're not going to do real well. <laughs> because we'll be building the church on me or on you. And I know you. <laughs> and I know me. <laughs> I'll let that sit there. Okay, so neither, (laughs) I'll let that lie. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So we will plant, we'll water, and we will enjoy the reward. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying the reward. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the reward. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with getting to know people and getting to know their story and having fellowship and building relationships. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with hanging out <laughs> and just hanging out sometimes. Um, all right, that was a quick review last week. We're going to get into Last week, was, to me, was Jesus is the foundation, I guess we could call it. I need to rename, rename that. I don't know if we posted it yet. Or I may, okay, that's fine. I probably need to change it. Andrew, just change it to, to Jesus is our foundation. I don't know what I called it before. But anyway, uh, humility is what I want to talk about today. Yay, humility. Um, we, know, we know our foundation is, uh, is a revelation of Jesus. I just talked about that. Um, God gives increase. Wow, I just went over this twice. Okay, here's we don't want to just talk about it. We're talking about humility. We don't want to just talk about it. We want to cultivate humility in our church. 
We want a culture of humility and discipleship, not just programs. Now, that sounds easy enough, but it's a little more difficult when you're in leadership trying to figure out how all that looks, which is part of why we're filling some of this paperwork out. We're not going to create programs so that you can disciple people. It's your responsibility to disciple people. I mean, it should be a natural production, a natural byproduct of who you are in Christ. We should, we should be discipling people in our lives, whether it's at work, school, within this church, Bible studies, youth, children's church, whatever. We should be discipling people. Discipleship, we've talked about before, is not just a program. It's not just a system. It's life. It's having life together and getting to know one another and building one, building one another up. And this should be something that is a culture in our church, not just a program of some sort. Does that make sense? All right. Um, <laughs> humility is a funny thing. I actually I ended up throwing it away. I, I looked at the definition of it, and I've chased that rabbit way, way far because it talked about what humility was, and the root word in the Latin was humus, <laughs> not like the humus you eat, but it had to do with um, something doing with the earth and growth and structure and micro... Uh, microorganisms or something like that. So now I studied microorganisms. <laughs> Got way deep in those. But what's interesting, I will tell you this briefly. I'm not, like I said, it, had, it was two pages long, and I was like, I can't go through all that, but I'll give you the summary of it. Basically, it was pretty cool because humility is not just thinking bad about yourself because that's another transliteration that we use. It's, it's being lowly, right? Being, being humble is like being weak or lowly or whatever, but that's not what humility is. And it's cool because in, even looking at um, the... Chasing that rabbit on the microorganisms with the, I think it's microorganisms. Yeah, yeah microorganisms. Basically, they, uh, sorry, my, my lack of knowledge on this, but I just read it this morning. But it talked about um, how they're tiny and there's millions of them and they produce life. We couldn't live without them. And they also take, take away waste, all the bad stuff, the, the decomposition, different things like that. And we have to have that stuff or whatever. It was a great parallel. I may use it in another sermon sometime. Um, but let me tell you, um, two different ways that you can, you can not have humility. And you can write this down if you want to. If you think you're more than who God says you are, you are proud and self-centered. If you think you're less than who God says you are, you are proud and self-centered. Amen. Now think about that for a minute. The first one's easy, right? We all identify the first one. But the second one, not so much. Why is that? Because if we think that we are less than what God says we are, we're saying we know better than he does. And that's back being self-centered and being selfish, right? Pride, pride is easy to point out when it's on this side, but it's a little more difficult to see when it's on the other side. Um, this, I heard it was Andrew Womack, I think, talked about a, um, they were having a competition in the church of who was the most humble and, and, the, and had the most humility. And then nobody knew who was keeping score, but eventually they voted somebody and they brought him up on stage and they had a reward, a humble reward. So they brought him up on stage and they gave him his reward and then they took it back. <laughs> and they got it and they're like, we got you. You came up here and received this reward. You're not really humble. You don't have humility. <laughs> and I was like, is that real or he you make that up? I don't know. But we, we have this tendency to think that, that humility is, is a, just being lowly and thinking poorly about yourself. And I'm telling you, humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. That's not what humility is. Humility always agrees with the Lord. What happened at salvation? Think about that when you got saved. What happened? You agreed with the Lord that you were a sinner. You agreed with what the Lord was saying about you in that position, right? That's, that's a, a form of humility. Um, but here's where it's crazy, and this is the flip-flop of it. We agreed 
uh, with him when he said he was a sinner and grace came, but why can't we agree when he says we're righteous? Right? Why do we have issue with that? We're okay. It's easy for us to say, oh, we're terrible, we're sinners, we're bad, we're all these things. And then God says, okay, I agree, <laughs> you are that. Now I'm going to give you grace and I'm going to show you me. I'm going to show you myself. I'm going to show you the truth, the way, and the life, who is me. Now you're righteous. Now why do we struggle with that? It's like we hit a brick wall with that. We're like, well, I don't want to be proud or I don't want to boast. But what do we boast in? We boast in the Lord. It's okay to boast in the Lord. <laughs> it's okay. Humility is agreeing, uh, agreeing with God about you. Humility also agrees with God about others. You have your own opinion, but, what, but what's God's opinion? What's, what's God's opinion of your spouse? What's God's opinion of your coworker? What's God's opinion of the people that are around you? Now, we all have our... I don't want to, get, I don't want to start any arguments here about spouses, but we, sometimes we have different opinions about our spouses or we have different opinions about the people that are around us. But I'm telling you, it will benefit you greatly in friendships and relationships if you look at God's opinion of those people around you, looking through his perspective and agreeing. Here's the key, agreeing with him, with his perspective. Do you see the difference there? Not just trying to be like, but agreeing with the truth that he's giving you. We say it all the time. We don't get to determine truth. We get to discover truth because we don't create truth ourselves, right? We get to discover the truth that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. Um, this, is, this is why humility is so important. Any body, physical, your physical body or the church body, that turns selfish and competitive instead of unselfish and cooperative will lose the body and you'll lose the individual parts. Think about this. In your physical body, if your kidney said, I'm sick of this, I don't get to see like the eyes do, I'm not going to work anymore and I'm going to shut down. What happens? Body suffers. Body suffers. Kidney suffers, body suffers, Right? Christ is our foundation. He's the head. What are we? We're the body. What happens when we say we're better than someone else and we're, we're just, we're going we're gonna to bow out because we're better than everybody else. We, we can, our gifting is better than someone else's gifting, which many of you know is one of my pet peeves. Like, like I'm better than you because of what God's gifted me with. What happens when that happens? It crushes the church. It hurts the church. It hurts the body. So when we have humility, that's the opposite of that pride and of that boasting in our own gifts and abilities. I'm going to give you these three things before I, I'm going to keep going. Um, humility is accepting the gifts and talents God has given you, knowing the source is God and not you. It's okay to be gifted, accept those gifts, but know where your source is. Listen to this. Humility is also recognizing others' gifts and talents most significantly, those you feel are greater than your own. Listen, that's true humility. That's hard to do sometimes. That's a tough pill to swallow. Humility is giving honor to those around you with gifts and talents when led by the Holy Spirit, even submitting to them. That's even harder. <laughs> when you begin to see things that you need to work together with, and there may be some things that you need to back off of when you see somebody else is gifted in those areas. Oh, Hello. I breathed into the mic. Um, I'm the, I'm, I have a hard time with that because I want to do a lot of the things, and I, f- I feel like I'm gifted in lots of different areas when I'm, I'm kind of gifted in lots of different areas, <laughs> right? And there are people that are more gifted than me, 
a good example is, is Daniel and Gabe and those guys working with the sound. Um, and Jason's even helping with some of the construction of some of the things that we're doing. These guys are more gifted than I am. They know more than I do about these things. I need, I need to support them and build them up so that they can do what they need to do and that they're gifted in more so than me. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. I'm not saying all this is like puppy dogs and butterflies. It's hard. It's like, oh, we were just talking about it yesterday about subwoofers and stuff and almost got into a little, not like an argument or whatever, but you know what I mean? It was just like, wait a minute. He knows. Why, why do I need to try to figure it out when he's figuring it out already? This works for everybody in, in the body. When we see our gifting, when we acknowledge what it is and where we get it, and then we see other people's, we can let them do what they're supposed to do and we can build them up in it and not feel intimidated by it, right? All right. Don't have false humility. <laughs> How many of you have ever seen that? Don't raise your hand or it might be you. <laughs> I got lots of tricks. The <laughs> when someone compliments when someone compliments you, it's okay to just say thank you. <laughs> you don't have you don't have to say, well, it's not me, it's God, it's not me, it's not me. And I, I I'm reminded of uh, when Jesus rode in on the donkey. Do y'all remember that when this triumphal entry? I, nowhere in scriptures does it say that the donkey had to say, Calm down, guys, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> I imagine Shrek. <laughs> Come, put the put the leaves down. It's just I'm just a I'm just a lowly donkey, right? Nobody nobody had to explain. Nobody had he didn't have to say that. Everybody knew it was Jesus that was that was doing it. In especially inside church, we don't we don't need false humility. We don't need. And I feel like I'm preaching the choir because you got I don't know any of you that have it. Um, but just a friendly reminder, you, you don't have to overdo it. And a reminder to myself, too, because a lot of times when people talk to me about things that I say, and I think I'm, you know, I have my own self, I'm self-critical and different things like that, and people will compliment me, and I go, well, you know, it was the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't me, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know what? I heard something a few years ago, uh, uh, one of the pastors was talking, or somebody was complimenting someone who was singing on stage. said, oh, you have a great voice. And the, the singer said, oh, it's not me, it's Jesus. And the person said, no. If it was Jesus, it'd be better. <laughs> That's good. I heard, an, I, heard somebody else say, I heard somebody else say similar. I thought you were about to say it. Somebody on stage, and they did the same thing. They're like, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. And they were like, I could have swore I just saw you up there on stage. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you participated in this. But what's cool, <laughs> what's cool about that is when we recognize our source, we can get up here, and we... They can get up here and sing and worship, and it's not just singing, right? There's something, there's something spiritual happening when they worship. When they know their source and they know what's happening, they are uh, serving the Lord and co-laboring with one another in worship. That's what's happening. It's the reality, just like we were singing. It's the reality of, of Christ in us currently, alive. Yes? If I tell you you have... Uh... Good message. Does your little toe get jealous? But if I say if I say your voice really spoke to me, does your little toe get out, get bent out of shape? <laughs> <laughs> because I said no. exactly. So when um, when we when we praise a particular member of the body, member of the body, mm-hmm. it honors every part of the body. That's true. That's good. So when I, so when I when I tell you. 
Wow, that's real good. When I tell you the Holy Spirit spoke through you to me, and, 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 and I appreciate the work you put into the sermon, and you did a good job, I am not only honoring you, I am honoring the head, and I am honoring Honor the body. everybody here, because, and, and everybody else in the I mean, No, that's good. The ripple Man, that's real good. Amen. Yeah. Here, take the mic. Dude. Here's. It's, it's not me. 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 I'm just a. I'm just a pinky toe. I'm just a pinky toe. <laughs> I have. I have an award for you. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Church is fun. And that's true. Oh, man, that's so good. I, I now want to go that direction because there's so much more there. But yeah, we, we, honor, we honor the whole body when we honor one of the members. And it edifies the whole body when we, we honor the, the one member. It's really good. Um, so Shrek the donkey knew that it was all about Jesus. And that'll, be burned into your, that'll be burned in your brain. Do what? And it honors Jesus, right? Because he's the head. And you can't, and that's the thing about being, being the cool thing to, to criticize. And this is why the Babylon Bee is funny. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The Babylon Bee is funny. But there are several times when I read it and I go, ah, it bugs me because I know that the church is, the church is good, that the body of Christ is good. There are lots of things that they point out that are relevant. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a satire thing. Um, and some of them are hilarious. But at the same time, even the funny ones that I read are just like, ah, oh, that stings a little bit. Why? Because I'm part of the body, Right? So when, when Babylon B stings, I'm not even trying to make all this work. I should be a rapper. Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> not that kind of rapper. All right, so, so anyway, there's a reason why that, why that <laughs> I can't say sting now without laughing. It's the reason why that bugs, bugs me. <laughs> I swear I'm not trying to do this. Bothers me. There's a, thing why, there's a reason why this bothers me. It's because I'm part of the body. And that bothers me when, I, when it's being too, so critical of the body. And ah, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 1. <laughs> Welcome to my brain. Philippians 2, 1. Therefore, if, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, I love that phrase, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let, let, each, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Man, that speaks volumes of, of how we should be operating as a church and as, as Christians, Right? Don't be selfish. Don't be conceited. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> think of other people even more so than you think of yourself. Here's the cool thing. The natural byproduct of that is you will be happier. You don't think you will because you think you need to fulfill your own desires. But when you begin to operate in the way that you were created to operate, you will naturally begin to fall into place. I think of the BFF <laughs> necklaces. I never had one, but I remember seeing them back in the 80s. I think they were popular too. And it has like a squiggly line in the middle and you give somebody half. Do y'all remember those? And then the other person, I think of that like 
you know, Jesus has the other half, and the more, you know, the more we begin to we begin to see how he operates, it's like it gets closer and closer together, and it just fits. It fits well. It, it's it's right. Um, verse five. Let let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, uh, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. What a great example. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above, all, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee would bow and, every, and of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the sun, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. And you guys know every time I heard that song and every time I heard that scripture, I would always think of all the, the really angry Christians that would talk about. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And that's not at all what he's talking about there. And that's only one. There were several other uh, scriptures that backed that up too. That's good news. <laughs> think about every, every tongue confessing and every knee bowing to Jesus knowing that he's Lord. That's good news. That's good news for us. That's more people that are going to know that, the, that Jesus is Lord. Tell them Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Tell them to confess with their tongue. All right. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I got distracted. I'm easily distracted. So, good news, yes. It's good news. It's a promise, right? It's, it's a, how many of you know that the gospel is good news? Why has it been presented? Why has it been presented for so long as bad news? It's good news. All right, I got to get to this. You can't give away something you don't have, can you? No, you can't. You have to have ten thousand dollars to give away ten thousand dollars, right? That's why I love when the when the. But you got a really good credit. <laughs> just saying. my pinky toe is getting really aggravated with you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> can't give away something you don't have, excluding credit. You can't give away something that you don't have. Um, and that's why I love when the, the, when the disciples, when they were, when uh, the guy wanted money or whatever, and they were like, silver, gold, we don't have, but what I have, I give you. They knew they had something to give. They recognized that there was something in them that he needed more than money. And they're like, we don't have any money, but what I have, we freely give you. Um, in the same way, we talk about constantly, you have to know that you're righteous before you can preach righteousness to somebody else. You have to know that you're forgiven before you can say someone else is forgiven, right? How much confidence would we have if we're still trying to figure out and earn this forgiveness on our own? Not much confidence. I wouldn't. I'd be, I'd tell them, hey, <laughs> it's not working out well for me. You want to join me? <laughs> that, doesn't, that, that doesn't build confidence in me at all. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, now we have, <laughs> does it say, now, we're going to receive. Oh, you're probably not there yet. 1 Corinthians 2.12, it doesn't. It says, now we have received, past tense. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, of, the spirit who is from God, that we might know that things... Now, I can't talk. Now, we might know the things that have been. There it is again, past tense. That these things have been freely given to us by God. You have to know that you're qualified. Grace produces life changers by changing your life. Did I say that right? Yes. 
Grace will produce a life changer in you because he changed your life. It's, it's, it's a natural trickle-down effect. We'll back up to 1 Corinthians one twenty-six. It says, uh, For you see your calling, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. I'm actually overqualified here. <laughs> and so are you. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to, to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written... He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Why is he saying that? Why is it so important that we see that? This goes all the way back to the Peter thing. If he was going to build his church on Peter, he could probably could have picked somebody a little bit better if that's what he was going to build his church on. Why is, it, why is he building his church through Peter? Because Peter had a revelation of who Christ was. Do you see it? Why? Everyone in here say, I'm called. It's official now. <laughs> You are all called, and grace puts you in a position that you can actually do something now because you're qualified. You are the are nots <laughs> who are now going to be going to, to make foolishness the things that of this world that think that they're wise, because you can boast in the Lord and you have something greater than yourselves. Man cannot be like God without God. That's the, the your first warning sign of religion is, is man trying to be like God without God. That's what religion tries to teach, is you need to, you need to be more like God, but they leave out God. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most crippling things we can do as a church is try to short-circuit and, and shortcut the Holy Spirit and trying to just point out people's flaws and people's sins and not allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and not just give them the good news. kind of come full circle. Real humility is going to agree with the truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Humility is agreeing with the Holy Spirit. And now that you carry seeds of life, you can plant water and enjoy the reward. Got one more thing here. Rick Warren uh, wrote The Purpose Driven Life, and he misquoted C.S. Lewis. Um, and the original, the original quote I'm about to read to you, but his quote that he he said with C.S. Lewis, which he should have claimed for himself because it's a decent quote, but it was, I guess, more tweetable. But it said, uh, to have humility, basically, to the, some of the effects, I didn't write that one down, to, ha- to be humble or to have humility is to not to think, of, think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. Have you all ever seen that? I've seen it floating around, and I thought it was C.S. Lewis, but I found out it wasn't. This is, this is where uh, Rick Warren got it. It's actually a quote from Rick Warren, kind of paraphrasing this, but I like C.S. Lewis's version better, so I'll read it to you. To even get near humility, even for a moment, is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. 
I love that. I'm going to read that last part again. And I think that's where he got that quote from. If you dislike him, it will be because you, you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. So do you see the difference between a false humility and a real humility? Do you see the difference between a humility that just thinks that you're bad or that you're lowly or that you're not good enough and the true humility that just agrees with what God is saying about you? This form of, this form of submission to God and his truth fits perfectly with our submission to other people and how we can, how can I put this? how we can cheerfully put other people ahead of us. Does that make sense? Not because we have to, but because it's a, a natural byproduct of what we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. This is difficult to teach because you are responsible for that. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, it, it's up to you and the Holy Spirit to communicate that and see how that works in your own life. We come in here every Sunday, and I can remind you I look at it like this. I may have heard this somewhere, so I may be stealing it. But um, Or Jeremy Thrasher might have mentioned it last week. This is Our heart is like our hard drive if you're a computer person, and our brain is like um, software. Or this is like hardware, not hard drive. This is like hardware, this is like software. Our heart, when we reach salvation experience, is we have, we have new hardware. Our mind is constant. Have you got a computer and it immediately needs to be updated? Like, you just bought it, and you plug it in. It's like, hey, I need to update. I just, you just came out like yesterday. It needs to be updated, right? Our mind needs to be reminded constantly. Our heart is where the truth is. It's where the Holy Spirit lives. And our mind is like the software that continually needs to be updated. This is why we have the renewing of our mind, constantly renewing of our mind. This is why we still struggle with temptations and sin and these different things. It doesn't mean that we're bad here. We're good here. But our software needs to be continually updated, right? Ah, yeah, the author, I'll repeat that if you didn't hear him. The author of the hardware, software, has to be the one that updates it, or you're going to mess it up. So, like, if I went in there and tried to hack into it and update it, I would mess it all up, because I don't know how to write code and do all those things. So it has to actually be God who is doing the updating. And that's the word. And in the in that same thought pattern, how many times do we try to figure it out on our own or try to do it on ourselves and we screw it up? We can mess up a computer real quick. Are you, are you testifying to messing up computers, or do you have something to say? Yes. Yeah. When Jesus was not negative. When he, he didn't point out Peter's faults when he forgave him. No. When he called him, he called him up. He didn't say what Peter did bad. And and I, you know, the Holy Spirit will call you up when he he's not going to go through your software and and. Uh, Draw circles around the bad stuff. Right, he's just going to fix it. Right. Yeah. And I, lo- I always think about it, and I-, I love getting mental images. I'm seeing more and more in worship for some reason. Um, maybe it's just because I see things in pictures or videos, movies like that. But I always imagine when Jesus, when the cock crows and he denies him three times, I always imagine when he sees Jesus that I know Jesus, and I can imagine that Jesus even then saw the redemption that was coming, just like he saw what was coming after his, his death and burial was going to be a resurrection. I always think about that like, wow, Jesus knew that even though he knew he was going to do that, he knew what was coming later. 
Like he was already thinking of what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. And so I, back in the day, I always thought that it was when Peter looked at, at Jesus that Jesus was like, like I'm so disappointed in you. But hindsight, seeing it from the bigger picture, the meta narrative, the big story, I think Jesus is going, oh, just wait. Just wait. You're, you're going to play such an important role in, in the body and in the church. You are going to get it before a lot of other people get it. You're, whoo, that's good. You are going to get that revelation of the rock. You're going to get the, the, the very foundation of the modern day church. You're going to get it before anybody else. Right now you're denying me, but you're going to get it. Man, that's good. We'll leave on that. Stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys before I start crying again. <clears throat> Lord, you were the foundation of this church. Father, I just pray, uh, pray that as we move forward in our church, Lord, that we never forget that, 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 that you were the foundation of who we are, Father, the revelation of who you are, um, that thing that Peter got. Father, I just pray that we continue to get it. Lord, that anything that we build, we build on that foundation. Lord, that we don't, we don't make it about us. We don't make it about our style or, or anything like that, Lord, but we make it all about you. Lord, Father, continue to give us uh, updated software, <laughs> Lord, that, uh, that you can renew our minds daily. Lord, that as we come in this place every Sunday and, and every Wednesday night, Lord, that you would continue to just stir in us um, who you want us to be and how you want that to look. Lord, and we, we are thankful for the gifts and talents that are all represented here, Lord. We're, we're very diverse in our backgrounds and in our giftings, Lord, but we, we submit them all to you so that we will be like-minded and we will all be going in the same direction, Lord. Um, I just pray for, uh, for each individual in here, Lord, that as they begin to work out and begin to move in their giftings, whether it's serving in different areas or, or, or not serving, Lord, but just out in, in the world where they're, where they're serving you every day, Lord, that you would just continue to remind them of who they are in you, Lord, that they would submit to the truth about what you say they are and who you who you say they are, and that's the most humble thing that they can do. Lord, the most humble thing that we can do is agree with you. And so, Father, don't let us think of, of, of humility as, as something weak, but the same way we look at, um, at meekness as power under control. Lord, we are humble because we know, <laughs> we know that we can have humility for the one that gives us the strength to do everything. So we just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your love, your grace, your peace, your joy. In Jesus' holy name, amen.